Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad to be here doing a podcast again. I have been out of sync over the past couple of weeks. We have been traveling, as many of you know. We have been doing almost a cross-country event over a three-week period of time. Uh, we've been stopping in various cities. I've been speaking and meeting with uh, different folks, and we are still doing that. Currently, I'm, I am on top of a mountain at Red Feathers uh, Park, I suppose, camping area, and we are holed up here uh, at a cabin uh, that um, Matt and Brandy Huerta, uh, they are with us with their family. We're in between speaking events, and I am planning this week for the next speaking event. I'm getting ready for a, a series of meetings at in Longmont, Colorado, uh, that will be at Faith Point Church. This will be happening this coming uh, uh, this coming Saturday evening, and then also Sunday. If you're in the Longmont area uh, at Faith Point Church, I would love for you to stop by. You can find them uh, on the internet and get directions. And I will be speaking. And what I want to do in this podcast is I want to share one of the talks that I'm going to have at Longmont. It is something that they asked me to speak on, and that is transgenderism, and I'll be doing a talk for, uh, Saturday evening about that. They've also asked me to talk about how to engage our culture, and I'm going to be speaking on that as well, and so I'm looking forward to it. So this week, I've been planning, and it takes a good bit of time to build out the keynote presentations and, and to get these talks in order, and that's what I'm doing, and I just finished the the first talk, the first keynote presentation, and I want to share some of that with you. This will not be the entire lecture that I'm going to give this weekend, but I do want to give you a few sound bites because it is just that important. Transgenderism is part of a cultural and political avalanche in our country. This contagion coincides with such things as social justice, identity politics, wokeness, intersectionality, racism, and more. You have heard all of the words. You have listened to the slogans. And so in this podcast, I want to break down some of the more salient elements of the trans issue while offering some practical help to, in, to engage our culture from a biblical worldview, and I trust hope-filled solutions. And so what I want to do is just to give you a soundbite of the complete talk that I'll be doing this weekend. Now, after I do that talk, I will come back uh, home once we get home in two weeks and I will do a full webinar, and I'll, I'll present this keynote presentation. I'll do a one-hour webinar so that all of you will be able to, to access it. There are 99 slides here as of right now. I may do some further tweaking as I continue to work on uh, these presentations that I'm going to give this weekend. But right now, there are 99 slides, and I will do a complete one-hour webinar so that you can watch the video presentation, and you'll also be able to listen to the complete podcast. Uh, I will not, or the complete audio version of the webinar, I will not be able to do it justice in this 30-minute podcast, but it's so important I wanted to give you at least this soundbite because you do need to hear this information, and I would appeal to you that when those, when that webinar and that audio track does drop out in a few weeks, that uh, you will watch and listen to it, it to it as well. But the title of this episode, three hundred and forty-three, is transgenderism. 
I think, therefore I am. And that is the title of the talk I'll be given this weekend. And it's important to understand this, uh, the title, I think, therefore I am, because there is no biological evidence that would support this notion of transgenderism. In fact, there, there's a trans person who gave this quote. This, this person is named Benji, and actually Benji has gone through detransition where she trans, transitioned into a boy and presented herself as a boy and then realized that that was a mistake, which is a huge problem that's happening in our teenage culture. And then she went from being a boy back to being a girl, which she was always a girl and she was never anything otherwise. But because of the transgenderism phenomenon, of course, they say that they are a boy who used to be a girl or a girl who used to be a boy. But this is what Benji said. She said, postmodern queer theory believes experience is more important than fact. And that is an important statement. And that is the truth. It is a feeling. It is not a biological reality. And I realize that you get canceled for saying such things as that. But math is math. Two plus two is four. There are two genders, male and female, and there is no alteration in that. You can pretend to be something that you are not in actuality, which is what transgenderism is, and that's what Benji uh, was saying, and that's why I titled this episode Transgenderism, I Think, Therefore, I Am. And so there are 10 points to my outline to the talk that I will be giving. I, I will go through as many of these as I can, but then again, as I said, I appeal to you to wait until or to or be sure to pay attention to when this webinar drops so that you can watch the full presentation and we'll let you know about that when it happens. Uh, point number 1 and I think this is the place where we all need to start and that is uh, psychology. What is psychology? Because in our world there are two competing worldviews for the ownership of psychology. There are two bibles you could say. One Bible is the DSM-5, which is the current diagnostic statistical manual number five. It is the fifth iteration of it, and it is where the culture takes their cues. It is where they learn what is wrong with them. Now, the DSM-5 is nothing more than a, a book of descriptive psychology. It is a book that describes different situations or experiences that people are having. It is not a book that offers solutions, and so it is descriptive psychology, and it's important to know that. Now, unfortunately, because it is descriptive psychology, it describes an experience that may be close to what you are having and unfortunately, what happens is because it can describe your experience so well, then we accept the label that they give us. Therefore, if you feel like you are in the wrong body, they will describe that as transgenderism. And then, well, they will affirm that notion. They will affirm that feeling. And therefore, you accept the label as a trans person. And then you go from there into a process of transitioning from one gender to another. And so 
so they just describe one experience, another experience, et cetera, et cetera. And it's an entire book of descriptive psychology that offers no solutions. It just allows, it just affirms the feeling that you have. Then the other Bible is, well, it is the Bible. It is God's word. It can not only describe the experience that you have, but it can also offer a solution. And many times it is a solution that wants you to deconstruct the experience that you are having. Therefore, if you feel like you are in a a, 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 the wrong body, for example, uh, it will talk about that being part of the fall, and it will offer you a solution through redemption in Christ. Rather than affirming your feelings, which can send you in any any type of direction, and it will only increase your difficulty. It is not a, the Bible will not send you down a path that will allow you to fulfill whatever experience that you are currently having. It will tell you that, well, first of all, you're experiencing something that is quite normal. It's called fallenness or total depravity. And rather than going down that path, we, we want to offer you a better solution, which is redemption through Christ and transformation through Christ, which the Bible will show you and walk you down that path. Of course, the DSM-5 will not do that. It will affirm your feelings, and it will continue to move you down a path that will not ultimately satisfy in a way that you think that it would. And so there are competing worldviews here. There are competing psychologies, the DSM-5 and God's Word. One of those is a moving target the DSM-5, as it was the DSM-4, the DSM-3, the 2, and the 1. It is a constant moving target. It is, it is truth that changes from generation to generation. Transgenderism, by the way, will be on its way out of the DSM-5 like homosexuality was. The DSM-3 and the DSM-4 talked about homosexuality as being a deviant behavior, that you needed a solution so that you aren't that way anymore. And then through lobbying efforts and, and these groups that were anti that position, well, they won They won the day. And the DSM-5 now does not see homosexuality as a disorder, but they see anyone who is against homosexuality as having the disorder, and they call that being a homophobe or homophobia. Well, transgenderism will also be on its way out of the DSM-5 too, because the DSM-5, when they come out with the DSM-6, it is a moving target as far as truth is concerned. But in true psychology, God's word, which is the study of the soul, God gave us the soul, and he gave us the guidebook for the soul, the word of God. And when you study the word of God, you begin to understand the soul in the way that it needs to be understood so that you can find proper solutions. Well, that is a fixed truth that never deviates and never changes. Of course, that flies in the face of modern psychology that flows out of the DSM-5, it is always a moving target. And so the first point that you really have to, excuse me, you really have to determine, am I going to put my flag on the DSM-5 on ever-changing truth, or am I going to plant my flag on the Bible on fixed truth? And those are two radically different positions. And so you have to determine point number one, which psychology are you going to be beholden to?
Point number two is Gen C, Gen Z. Uh, the Gen Z culture is the culture that is affected most by this transgender contagion, this peer contagion, this social contagion that is happening in our culture. Now, Gen Z is also called the iGen uh, generation. And what that means is the Gen Z generation is people who were born roughly between 1995 and 2010. That is the generally understood window of what a Gen Z person is. And some have also called this the iGen generation as well. Both of those are the same, whether it's Gen Z, Gen Z or iGen. And the reason they came up with iGen, because what it means is that these people, these humans, have, have never never known anything other than an iPhone. They have, they've never known anything other than technology and a computer. It is the computer generation, Gen Z is, or iGen. That they were they were the first generation that's born within the computer age. The previous generations are a hybrid. I am a hybrid, where I lived before the computer age. I lived before the iPhone and tablets and the internet, but not the Gen Z culture. And that is important when understanding this social contagion of transgenderism because it is a a cyber effect. It is people who receive information primarily through the internet, and that's how these kids are being trained and shaped and educated. Their primary mentors are social media. Also, these kids have a hard time living in the real world. Uh, they, for, they, they prefer uh, living on TikTok or living on Facebook. Facebook is too old for this generation, but Snapchat and these types of social media platforms is preferential to them. And that's why you see them all the time uh, looking at their phones. They can't sit without having a phone nearby because they want to export themselves to cyberspace quickly and land in their social media community where they can uh, enjoy uh, socializing with other people in social in, in, in cyberspace. Now, what you will find is that many times that these kids come from a place of familial dysfunction. And so social media offers the perfect escape. And I put perfect in quotation marks because it's not perfect. It's an imperfect escape to get away from whatever hardship or difficulty that they are experiencing in their real world. Now, I understand this as I was telling my daughter, my our youngest daughter yesterday, that for me, uh, my portal to escape was through the television. And I became a 24-7 television junkie back in the late 1960s and uh, 1970s, and it was a way for me to escape familial dysfunction. Well, I did the same thing, and this is what these kids are doing in the Gen Z uh, generation. And so they find this as a preferable reality. And of course, it sets them up for whatever the social media evangelists are propagating. And of course, uh, one of the 
things that they're propagating uh, in an exponential way, in a, a rabid way, is transgenderism and identity politics and all the things that you are now familiar with because you have been exposed to them because you can't escape from them. But this culture is being indoctrinated by these cultural evangelists because they know how to leverage social media in such a way that it is enticing to these kids who are looking for answers and in many cases because they are trying to escape some kind of difficulty or peer pressure or familial dysfunction. Now one of the hardships in trying to study this is that you can't study cultural phenomenons in real time as it is happening. It will be 10 or 20 years from now when we reflect back on what is happening today, and then we'll begin to understand with more investigative uh, reality, uh, more evidence as far as what is what went on during this gener- this generation and the Gen Z or the IGN culture, but we're seeing the fallout already. Even though we don't have all the data in because it's happening in real time, but it's important to understand that if you have a child or that you're interacting with someone who is a G a Gen Z. Uh, individual, well, this is how they are being affected. And it's important for you to understand if you come from another generation that you don't want to map your generation over these kids and think that they're supposed to do it the way that you did it and they're supposed to have your experience because, quite frankly, it's not their experience. And so we need to step into their world like Jesus penetrated our world. He entered into our world. He took on the form of humanity and became a sympathizing Savior, and so we do want to understand it the best that we can, even though that is also a moving target, just like their psychology is, because it's hard to study in real time. Point number, th- point number three is that what is happening here is, is a word that you are familiar with now, and it's called dysphoria. One of the ways to, to give you a synonym for dysphoria a gender dysphoria is the term that you are familiar with, is gender dysfunction or gender confusion or gender, I don't understand my gender. I am confused about my gender. Those are helpful ways to understand this term, gender dysphoria. Now, if you want to push gender dysphoria into a biblical framework, which I would recommend because we have fixed truth, that old archaic book called the Bible has relevant answers for what is going on in the Gen Z culture and dysphoria is an old problem that traces back to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6 and following. Once Adam and Eve chose to not believe God, they began to have internal confusion. They began to have internal dysfunction. And that's what gender dysphoria is. It is an internal awkwardness of the soul. It is not comfortable in your own skin. This is the problem of all humanity. It is an Adamic problem where we are we're, we're a little bit or a whole lot unsettled inside. 
And those of you who have been walking with the Lord for many years, you know God has been settling you. He has been bringing you from a chaotic state to a place of wholeness and completeness, and that's what God's Word does for you. But the Gen Z culture who is being evangelized by these social media gurus, they're being taught that there is another answer situated in the DSM-5, that there there is a solution, and of course, it's not God's Word. And if you feel that you are born in the wrong body, then that is affirmation that you are born in the wrong body. Therefore, you need to transition into another type of person. Now, we would say a very similar thing. If you're confused and uncomfortable about your body and you're feeling an internal awkwardness in your body, you need to transition into another type of person, but that person is Jesus Christ. But those who are beholding to a secular approach, they say that we affirm the feeling that you are experiencing, and the experiences that they are experiencing are such things as shame, guilt, discontentment, being emotionally uncomfortable. And if this is what you're experiencing, then they will begin to tell you that you're in the wrong body and you need to transition and a girl can be a boy or a boy can be a girl. And this is what we call gender dysphoria. Now, this typically happens to predominantly, uh, these are girls who are typically white, who are typically middle class, and they're entering into high school. Now, there are other people who are experiencing this gender dysphoria, but studies are showing at this point that there are middle-class white girls who are entering into high school predominantly. Now, earlier I called this a social contagion. There's a difference between a peer contagion or a social contagion and a and a contagion like the pandemic that we just went through, the COVID-19 pandemic, a, a contagion that is biological, that is medical, that there is truly something physical happening to you, and you can spread this to other people. Therefore, we're wearing masks, or we were wearing masks, and we were going through all these protocols because there was a physical reality that was happening in our world that we could pass from one person to the next person. And if you caught it and you had certain vulnerabilities, then you could die. That is a contagion as we understand it as far as a true biological, physical, medical illness is concerned. But this contagion is not like that. It is not biological. There is not something physical happening to these girls or any other person who doesn't feel comfortable in their own body. Let me illustrate. In Hong Kong in 1994, No one had ever really heard of anorexia. And then there was a published report about a person who was, and then they described the the symptoms of anorexia, and then all of a sudden there was a contagion of anorexia, and now it was on the scene. It came on the scene in 1994 in Hong Kong. That is a social contagion. That is something that you hear about and and then you begin to feel like, well, yes, I feel that way also. That is what descriptive psychology is. It will list a, 
it'll give you a list of six or seven things. And if you hit most of these things, then you have that, even though there is no biological or medical evidence that this is your reality. It is a feeling. It is a experience. And that's why you go back to the quote that I shared with you from Benji, the girl who became a boy and then detransitioned back to a girl again. She said, postmodern queer theory believes experience is more important than fact. And it's important to understand that there is a difference between what we went through with COVID-19 and a social contagion or a peer contagion. And you can go back and pinpoint when this really spiked among teen girls. It was 2010, 2011. It is in that time frame is when this social contagion of transgenderism spiked among these middle-class white girls, and it had everything to do with the iPhone. It had everything to do with social media. And then in 2016 and 2017, teen girls asking for surgery quadrupled. Now, one of the reasons that I call this, and other people call this, a peer contagion or a social contagion is because if it was something like the pandemic where people were dying in every demographic and every age group, if you had these vulnerabilities, it didn't matter if you were 80 years old or 18 years old. This is a, a virus that can kill you. Well, one of the interesting things is you don't see this contagion happening in other de demographics at this level, at other age groups at this level. It is a select demographic primarily of teenage girls who believe that they are born in the wrong body. Now, when that's happening, then it's not really a targeted, it's not a targeted biological medical problem. No, it is a targeted social problem. And when you look at all the elements that make up why this is happening, you will find that there's a certain demographic who is doing a certain thing on social media, and they're being convinced that they are born in the wrong body because they are experiencing what I call uh, in, uh, internal awkwardness, shame, guilt, the various things that all of us experience in Adam. But this particular demographic is going through the portal of so social media and being evangelized by people who have a political, social, cultural agenda, and they want to persuade as many people as they can, and they have found a captive audience through social media. Therefore, it is only hitting a specified demographic. Therefore, it is a peer or social contagion similar to what anorexia was in 1994. This podcast is episode 343. It's called Transgenderism. I think, therefore, I am. I have given you three or four points of my outline. I, there's 10 points altogether, and I will be going through this talk completely in Longmont, Colorado at Faith Point Church. And if you're in that area, I would uh, love to, for you to stop by and, and, and be part of, of what's happening this weekend. If not, I will, after 
to talk, uh, come back home to South Carolina, and I will do a complete webinar. And in the next few weeks, I have about eight or nine webinars to do because I've been building a lot of these presentations because I've done several talks already here in Colorado. So it's going to take a while to get all of these webinars completed, but I will, and you can hear the complete talk in that webinar, or you can listen to the audio version of it when I get it ready. And so again, this is episode 343, Transgenderism, I Think, Therefore I Am. Now, if you have any questions about this, we do have a community forum. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free to you. It's provided by those who underwrite our ministry. We are a donor-supported ministry where people donate either on a monthly or annual basis or one-time donation, and they help us. And because of what they do, we are able, because of their financial generosity, we are able to provide you these resources freely. And we also have a dialogue community on our website. And so if you want to talk about this, you can jump on our free community forum and you can ask a question. Just say, hey, I listened to part of your presentation that you're doing in Longmont. Uh, episode 343, and I have some questions about it, and if you could interact with me, I'd appreciate it, and we would be glad to do that. Now, perhaps you have something else on your mind that you want to talk about, you can ask that as well. People have been on our forums already this morning, and so you can ask anything pertaining to life and godliness. Please pray for us as we continue these, this trip. We have, I have several speaking um, opportunities uh, coming up this weekend. We have some other meetings after that. We have about two weeks left, and so I'm a little bit uh, disjointed with my podcast. I'll try to do as many as I can while I'm on the road. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.